Good morning, Minecrafters, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 11, Pay Yourself First. You know, it, I, it's absolutely amazing, you know, when I think about how difficult it is to take care of ourselves as adult people, and I think this is true for all of us, and I do think it's especially true for women, and especially true for women who are mothers. It just seems like there, there are, you know, I don't know, generations of societal messages or something that, that you know, it's just, it's not okay to be take, take care of yourself, that taking care of ourselves is somehow selfish. You know, where do these messages originate from? I'm not sure I really know that answer. Uh, you know, obviously babies aren't born into this world, you know, looking forward to being burned out as adults, and that's just obviously not how it goes, right? And especially in our good old U.S. of A., I think um, for men and women, there's it's it's ingrained in us, you know, that it's it's a, a you know a good thing to run ourselves into the ground. It, you know, we've just been we have come into this thing where where it's all about being human doings instead of human beings. You know, and I, I kind of first got the idea to have this chat, and I actually just wrote a thing for Psychology Today on it. I, I was somehow it came into my had way back in the day watching Oprah. Remember, she is one of my closest friends. She's just not aware. And with Susan Orman, I think that was her name, the her Oprah's financial person who used to, you know, talk about paying yourself first, pay yourself first. And the idea was, you know, when you got your paycheck, no matter what your bills were, to carve out a certain amount of money and pay yourself first, no matter how small that was. And so that's what came into my head was that this phrase of paying yourself first is something, you know, a phrase you've heard kind of roll out of the mouths of financial advisors or financial coaches, if you will. And it just kind of came to me, you know, we should really be having a conversation about this, especially during Corona. You know, because here, here's the other thing that came to me, too, is it seems like when the world closed back in March, we took off sprinting because I think we collectively thought, or if you were even thinking at all, I'm not sure, but instinctively felt that the panic situation, the Rona would be over. We just thought it would be like a sprint. So everybody kind of ran out of the gate, grabbing toilet paper, you know, managing this massive overwhelming stress with kids home virtually and us home virtually or being furloughed or separated from partners or wanting to find a partner but can't because you cannot allowed to, you know, leave your house and all this, whatever all that is, right? And we thought we were we were sprinting or, or we didn't think to not sprint, Right. So anybody who's been on a track team or watched track meets or whatever, typically the uh, sprinters are not, you know, they're a whole different group than the long-distance runners. They don't usually do both. They might do a mid-distance, either one of them, but they don't usually do both. So the sprinters kind of know they're doing a 100-yard dash, right? They come out of the gate, and the coaches will say that you 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 didn't do it if you have an ounce of juice left. Those coaches wanted you to have nothing left the very second, millisecond you cross the finish line. Because you're supposed to give it your all, everything you've got, and charge that finish line. And then, of course, with the long-distance crew, they know they're setting out for the 3,000 or whatever. And they have a whole different takeoff out of the gate, right? The sprinters have those... uh, those little devices, I'm not sure what you call them, but they get down on their, on their, almost on their knees, sort of, with hands out in front, they're on their fingertips even, to kind of propel and get the best, fastest jump start out of that gate. Whereas the long distance runners are on the 3000, and certainly if you're running a marathon, 
the gun goes off and they just kind of, you know, it looks like they're being nonchalant. They kind of just take off. It's a whole different start to the race if you've ever seen that. So I'm thinking of, you know, the Rona virus, as my kids like to call it. We Here we were down on our knees, on our fingertips, ready to blow out of that gate the minute the world closed. Yet we are here we are still. And, and you know, when since we started out sprinting, we obviously did not pace ourselves. When the gun went off, we didn't kind of just start rolling in this, you know, run forever kind of slower pace. We came out, you know, with a bang. And now we are collectively exhausted. You know, so it's, 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 it's kind of like, or it's not like it is, you know, those of us, again, start out sprinting. Now we're out of juice, a lot of us. And we're in this pandemic fatigue, for lack of a better way to say, because it's not just tired. I think we passed exhausted a while ago, too. So now it's this chronic fatigue where a lot of us are walking around like, you know, zombies in the twilight or something. And we've lost track of self-care and take, you know, taking care of ourselves. And I think this is true even for those of us who thought we were somewhat good at self-care. You know, we've kind of gotten there, might be doing a little yoga, might be doing this, might be doing that, eating healthily. And it just, with this overwhelming, you know, stress and actually trauma that it is, right? Even those of us who are are like on a good track have kind of just lost it. You know, so basically the coronavirus has really kind of thrown a wrench in our motivation. I mean, for a lot of us, again, even those of us who are on a kind of a good track, it's just kind of worn us down, you know, where it's gotten hard even to get dressed in the morning, especially if you're working virtually, you know, for what? People are only seeing me, you know, from the waist up. And there are all kinds of very funny memes about that, obviously. Um, Not everybody clothed in the Southern states and things like that. And the Rona also, you know, when the world closed, also there were some benefits. You know, we had playing more Monopoly with family members and things like that. And I'm thinking of cooking. All of a sudden we had time, baking cookies. Some of us got very creative, including myself. I made a a Caribbean rum cake I've never done in my life. It took two days to make this cake, if you, like two days to make this cake, and it was expensive. We don't usually have rum in the house. I had to buy three kinds of rum, and we had a, a little gathering with we kind of like a little Jamaican theme in our house because our daughter was supposed to go away abroad and then um, didn't, and so we kind of tried to bring that home and create that atmosphere for a small, it was just us, obviously, so very small, and did the cooking and just tried to do something fun and being creative when we were all stuck in quarantine. And that rum cake, I have to tell you, I will blow my own horn here, which I don't usually do, but um, wow, was that good. Definitely not a good idea to get in a car and drive after having a piece, but it was very good. And so the point is we really branched out, many of us, with the cooking thing and in all other ways to be creative. And, you know, now, and including myself, uh, after those you know, the wonderful creative thing and the, our young adult children helping and just tasting and trying all these. I made jerk chicken that night, actually. It was, oh, it's just fabulous. And I had not made jerk chicken before. I had definitely not made a two-day rum cake before. And it was just cool and fun and um, festive and all that stuff at a time which, you know, had we, we, could have, we could have allowed it to be miserable and we didn't and we ran with it. And those are memories we'll have forever. And now because of this, this sprinting out of the gate thing, because that was during our sprint, right? Now we've kind of realized we're running a marathon. You know, it's like some joker moved the finish line back after we did give up. We gave up all of our juice, gave gave our best 
college try or even a high school try, right? And now it's like, what the heck? Some clowns moving the finish line back. And now it's kind of like we've we've slowed all that all that creativity down and and thinking cooking wise, a lot of us went from creative to back to being in a in a what I would say is a cooking rut. So many of us have kind of landed right back in, you know, doing what's quick and easy because we are just out of juice, man. We're out of juice. And then, you know, others of us, you know, got on maybe a, a really good workout routine. It maybe been you're already into working out and you kind of amped it up a little bit or you weren't doing any working out, which is even in some ways more impressive, right? And, and got the momentum going and maybe you're doing some yoga, you know, those 15 minute ones on the, on the uh, you know, on websites, maybe walking around with a Fitbit and, you know, getting it going on. And now, you know, it's gotten, it's gotten tough. And the reason is, again, sprinters out of juice running a marathon. You know, some of us, uh, I have to say, if you think you're hearing goats, just interrupting myself here, you are, because I came out on the back deck. It's November and it feels like the end of August or September or something. It's absolutely beautiful. So anyway, moving forward here, think of the workout thing, you know, the Fitbits and maybe even if you got really intense working on your core and maybe maybe even bought an exercise ball and all that. And now you know, when that motivation is maybe decreased due to, you know, just mental and physical fatigue, um, there's that residual feeling of what I call workout failure. You know, and it, I equate it to kind of, it's like Diet Pepsi, you know, that aftertaste that just trails after, you know, after after the beverage, right? It's just that residual feeling of of just failing. You know, what, what happened to me? I was doing so well and I just don't have the juice. I don't want to do it anymore. I just, and it gets easier and easier once we miss a workout, miss a day, miss a few days, and we miss a week, then all of a sudden it's it's not part of our, you know, habitual routine anymore. And that has us, you know, feeling kind of lousy about ourselves, especially if we have the time and we're home. And having the time also is an, is an issue, right? Because that has us feeling even worse. And it um, we've gotten really good at being efficient with our time, practicing really good time management, being home and working virtually or being home and furloughed or either way, you know, one minute blends into the next one, half an hour blends into an hour, blends into hour, you know, more hours. And before we know it, you know, our valuable life minutes were kind of just, you know, um, we didn't make the best use of them. Let's put it that way. And then, you know, uh, it's definitely been a challenge with you know, the simple pleasures, because that is an, obviously a very healthy thing to do, you know, to just embrace this, to, you know, the seemingly small things really have gotten us through. And I think many of us during the quarantine got a little better at that, you know, scaling it down and just appreciating, um, you know, small things. So here, you know, things like um, going to restaurants safely, that's ripped away from us, right? Even just inexpensive stuff or even going out for just an afternoon, you know, kind of little treat, right? We can't do that anymore, at least not safely in the U.S. Um, because it's just all closed down. And even if you do manage to kind of go out and grab takeout, the simple pleasure thing that's so that's so wonderful and attracts us to it is that it's easy and just, you know, seemingly just completely lacking any stress, you know, like picking wildflowers or something, right? And obviously that's gone, it's November. And the restaurant thing, even if we can make it to, someplace with outside seating or we've made it, you know, with, with takeout, it's still the whole drill with the masks and, 
make sure you stand on the X's waiting in line behind people or also wearing masks and the whole atmosphere of trying to do that simple pleasure still has an element of stress to it. And then, and then there's the movies, you know, pre-Rona, that was one of the best simple pleasures ever, you know, relatively inexpensive. You could go with a partner and kids and it didn't kill the wallet, you know, and you got to kind of have that uh, wonderful element of escapism to just disappear into a movie. And now that simple pleasure is gone too, you know, unless you're okay with, you know, paying $12 for, you know, Shrek or Jaws or something like that. And it's, it's been a lot. And so, you know, one of the big points here is that some of us with, with the Rona and the quarantine got, you know, got good, a little bit better, let's say a little bit better at, or maybe even good at taking care of ourselves, you know, embracing the simple pleasures and um, expanding our cooking repertoire and maybe expanding our movie repertoire. And now it's just, it's gotten increasingly harder to take care of ourselves. Not, you know, we've got on the inside, it's gotten tougher with motivation because we're tired or past tired. We talked about it, fatigued, we're fatigued. And externally wise, no matter how much we try, much of the world uh, is still closed or at least at the very least restricted, right? Restricted. And, you know, even as I'm sitting out here in northern Vermont, usually or, you know, often we have snow on the ground by now and it's this phenomenal weather. We've had it for about a week. It's just great for anything, running, walking, sitting outside with friends. It's just been phenomenal. And one thing that's been a simple pleasure for me is being able to walk in the woods with our with our golden retriever, Giovanni. And um, I, I grossly underestimated how difficult it would be to now even lose that, you know, we talked about no more movies, no restaurants, no this, no that, no this, no that. And and now the walks I had that I did with him basically every day, unless it was like really raining, not even drizzly. I'd still go if it was drizzly, but it was really raining. No. And so but almost every day. And now, at least in Vermont, it's a whole entire month of hunting season, rifle season. So you, you got to be nuts to go in the woods in Vermont right now. No matter how colorful your clothes are, you got bells on all your hands and toes. Never mind a dog that's who's the color of a deer. Just not a great plan. So, and we've had this gorgeous weather, and I can't. I haven't been able to leave the house for a couple of weeks, and it's just, um, you know, just challenging. And I'm super optimistic, half full, as you know, as close to always as I can. And it's just like really, you know, the walks with the walks with Giovanni, really. And that's not over till December first. Okay, so now we got to do, you know, the what to do. How do we jumpstart ourselves back into self-care? So I think most of us really know what it's like to, you know, try to get back at it. For me, it's running. I also ski in the winter. That doesn't take as much because you just, it's just so simple. Out the door and down the, down the hills. We're fortunate enough to live in the mountains. With running, though, as much as I love it, if, if you're forced to miss a week or two, because maybe it's, you know, weather or you don't feel well, something like that, it can be tough to get, get it rolling again, right? And so how do we, how do we jumpstart ourselves after, you know, most of us had a very nice summer where we almost forgot it was the Rona, maybe a little bit, not totally, obviously, because we're still wearing masks and all of that. But the weather was nice, so we could, you know, be outside and have barbecues, which seemed really kind of normal, because that's what we'd be doing anyway. And then we kind of slid into this, you know, moving the finish line back. We're still running, still at it. How do we now kind of jumpstart ourselves when we're in this place of fatigue? How do we light a fire under our respective derrieres, right, to, to get moving again and get, 
and get out of this slump. And so I actually have a list of 10 things here, which is also in my site today, Psychology Today article. The number one thing first is to, is to have a conversation with ourselves, right? And many of us need to hear and tell ourselves, it needs to come from inside the nest, right? It's okay to take care of you. You know, um, self-care has gotten this negative connotation sometimes that it's selfish. And there's that whole idea of, you know, put the oxygen mask on first, you know, when you're in an airplane. It sounds cheesy and cliche, but it's, it's true because the whole point of that, when the flight attendants say it, is because we're no good to, you know, anyone else in their particular context is if you have a toddler. You obviously can't help a child if you're completely worn out, drained, fatigued, completely out of juice. We're no good to our kids. We're no, also no good to our teenagers, no good to our adult kids, no good to our partners, and most of all, no good to ourselves. And as I think I mentioned in a different podcast, there's that children's book out there called The Giving Tree, and it's my least favorite children's book ever, right? They may as well call it Codependency for Kids because, you know, it ends with, with the tree being a stump. And, you know, no one wants to be, you know, reduced down to a, a stump. Okay, so, you know, basically that is it. Number one is giving ourselves permission to take care of ourselves. It is okay to take care of you. So number two is realize what a yes hangover is and learn to say no. No is a good word. Small word with big power. The second thing this cracked me up. I actually read this in a magazine called Real Simple, and it's a special edition. It's called The Power of Less. And I this one of the articles in there talks about the yes hangover, right? So when we're just saying yes, yes, yes to everybody in our lives, yes, 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 and how important that small word no is, right? So they said realize what a yes hangover is. I love that. I think probably most of us have experienced a yes hangover. And part of taking care of ourselves is being okay with setting boundaries and saying no to certain things. You know, and this also comes, uh, brings along with it on what we talked about in an earlier podcast, which is to hack away at the inessentials every day. Stuff you can just not do that is, you know, isn't ultra important. Just go for it. Just let it go. And number three is learn to manage your time. You know, this is all about, this saves and rescues our valuable, valuable life minutes. So by, you know, practicing really efficient time management, we save more time for later, for leisure stuff, for doing what makes our heart sing. And like I tell my kids, our life minutes, you know, there is nothing more valuable, obviously. So spend them, spend these as if they were cash. And number four is do like Ben Franklin, wake up early, right? That whole thing about... Um, you know, get you know, getting up early makes a, a person healthy, wealthy, and wise, right? I can't tell you. I actually did it this morning with with getting up. Although la- you know, the last one podcast I did, I got up at four o'clock a.m. It was four ten or something. I was just ready to get up. I don't need. I don't require a ton of sleep, and I went to bed early, so I was just ready to roll. I hit the ground running, and got up, and wow. First of all, the sunrise was absolutely spectacular, very, very spiritual. The whole house was asleep. So I had this fabulous, very rejuvenating, you know, quiet time. I had this solitude and it was just amazing. And I was able to get uh, last week's podcast just rolled out of me because I had zero distractions. And then by the time it's eight o'clock, without exaggeration, I had half of a half of a quote unquote workday put in. 
And I hesitate to call it work because I was, you know, totally enjoying myself. Um, but half a, I got it all done, you know, by 8, 8 a.m. And so, um, you know, and then I kind of finished up some other things I had to do and had a, you know, a big, you know, segment of the day in the middle to then, you know, take a little breather because I'd already gotten it all done. It was what a great feeling. Number five is declutter your home. And, you know, regardless of where you're at with this, it can feel like Mount Everest, right? So it's important to break it into little anthills and start with just one corner. If you can't start with a room, start with one corner and feng shui it. A lot of people don't realize that clutter outside of us causes clutter inside of us. There's no question. And I myself, especially with my ADHD, I am highly sensitive to clutter. Um, and I'm no neat freak, actually. There's a difference between, you know, deep cleaning, sweeping, mopping, cleaning behind refrigerators and stuff. That's definitely not something I'm a stickler with. Clutter, though, makes me nuts. It just, I, I stuff just thrown over chairs and it just, it clutters up my head. I'm very sensitive to it. And even without the ADHD, the neurotypicals of the world, anyone, um, this is true for anybody, maybe just be on a lesser level. So, Start at one corner, feel how good, or a closet or something, and then just feel how good it looks to just create this empty space. Um, and if you really want to go extreme, kind of, you know, work towards minimalism. And it just all, also opens a vacuum for creativity. It does. It just does. And that's kind of a demonstrated thing. That's just not my opinion. That's, we know that for sure, that solitude in a, in a very inviting environment with few things to distract us opens the door for creativity to roll in. And here I'm talking more about inner peace and a clear head. Just, just like, just like a Mike Nike commercial, just do it. Start clearing out um, your home or apartment today, one corner at a time. And uh, number six is to carve out some time for solitude. And especially I'm thinking of, you know, moms, dads, moms and moms, dads and dads, whomever with small kids at home, during the round on their, you know, in school two days a week, or they're not in school at all or whatever. They're saying, what are you kidding me? I can't even have a shower by myself. They're climbing in there too. You know, just a little, you know, little two-year-olds and things. And, and it just, if you had an abscess tooth and you're so much pain, you'd figure it out, right? How to get to the dentist. So sometimes it takes carving out time, scheduling it like a dentist appointment or a haircut and just carve out that time because we know that um, wherever you land on the introvert-extrovert spectrum, all of us need a little bit of solitude. And though certainly the introverts have had an easier time doing the quarantine thing, I'm not saying easy, but easier, um, the, even the card-carrying extroverts like myself even need some, some solitude. And it's just so incredibly rejuvenating, good for creativity, good for self-esteem, which means it's good for everybody around you as well. Number seven is get a plant. Even if you already have a plant, get another plant just to liven it up, get something new. And it's this one. Um, my husband would definitely laugh if he heard me at this minute because plants fear me. They just, they run for me. And I just, I'm, I have 10 black fingers and toes, which is why we have things in the house like palm trees and things like that, because it brings during this winter season, it brings nature to us. And I, we do have plants. It's just that my husband has to take care of them because I tend to kill everything. I, I just, I just do. Um, bring it inside. Christmas cactus is a great idea. The succulents. If you're great with plants, good for you. 
bring in something that can hang there and flower and just look gorgeous because bringing in a little bit of nature can really help through, um, you know, it's getting dark early. And uh, if you live in the Northern hemisphere, it gets cold and it really does a lot for us. It does more than we think. Never mind if it's something that's got a lovely aroma to it. And, you know, in addition to the nature thing, which is huge all by itself, it also kind of reminds our, reminds us that, you know, spring will eventually land in the rotation again. Uh, so and number eight is uh, spend at least five minutes being mindful each day. And I kind of, I'm hearing John Kabat-Zinn, you know, one of the mindfulness gurus, to me, he's the mindfulness guru. I can hear him saying, you know, if you have to schedule it, if it's, you're adding something to your do list, he just says, just don't do it. You're not ready because mindfulness is not about doing. It's about being. And why I love mindfulness more than any other type any of the meditations out there is it does it just goes with you. As we've mentioned in previous podcasts, it's nothing that has to be scheduled. If you're gardening, just be, be there, be in your head, be in your body or bringing your garden indoors. Like we said with the plants and you're potting something to be in your bedroom or something, just enjoy it and, and be in, in whatever it is you're doing. You know, if you're washing the dishes, just be in that. If you're, you know, you're, you're uh, having five star sex with a, with your amazing partner, be, be in your body for sure. Um, mindful, you know, having it made, you just made cooked a feast. You climbed out of your cooking rut, you know, be in that feast and with, with your family or partner, whoever friends, whoever you're with, you know, even close your eyes and taste each bite. Mindfulness is about just being in the present moment. So hopefully it's more than five minutes, but at least five minutes of, you know, um, just being in your life is what we're talking about. And number nine is buy some freshly cut flowers for yourself. You know, it's funny because when I go into the local Hannaford's here, they kind of got used to me. You know, they, they don't even put a bag. They'll ask me, do you want a flower bag? And I say, nope, just for me. And I'll often put them in the bathroom um, because I also happen to worship my bathtub. Fortunate enough to have a nice bathtub. And, you know, put them, buy some freshly cut flowers and put them in someplace prominent. You know, if you have a mantle, middle of a coffee table, something like that. And oh, wow, I mean, just aroma, it's so good. And then tell yourself privately or out loud, as I often do. I talk to myself a lot, actually. Why? Because I'm very good company. And t- tell yourself that you deserve these. I bought these for me. Tell yourself you bought these for you and enjoy them. And then lastly, this is one of my favorites. Number 10 is Find Your Power Song. And I did come up with this myself and something I share with uh, my students in Minecraft. And it's it's much like Harry Potter. The song finds a person, like the one finds selects the wizard, same thing. You can just have to kind of you have to kind of like just you have to feel it. You have to reflect. It has to just come to you. So your power song is just that inner. I mean, just get your spirit moving. So for me, uh, my power song is Think by Aretha Franklin with a very close second of respect, and they kind of roll into each other. And I also tell you that my very sexy red Jeep out in the driveway, her name is Aretha, because I'm a big Aretha Franklin fan. Think is the best. And so I'm talking about your power song. Once you figure out what it is, discover what it is, then you need to play it. And uh, for me, I love when when uh, you know I have, I have a, I'm lucky enough to have the house to myself. I literally climb up on top of the coffee table, no joke, often scantily clad, you know, just being your undies, T-shirt, whatever. And I, I will grab a spatula or a wooden spoon or something out of the kitchen for my mic. And I will just let it go. I'm pointing and waving my arms and I am 
feeling Aretha Franklin's think just I am feeling it. And it is so cathartic. What a release. And, you know, that thing about um, that cliche about dance like nobody's watching. I would say the opposite. Dance like everybody's watching. You just feel it and just do it. Sing from your heart. Let it rip. And this is definitely a fabulous note to to kind of end with. So I'd like to thank all of you for listening, all my Minecrafters for listening. And with a special shout out this week to South Africa. Thank you, South Africa. And on that note, this is Kimberly Quinn signing off from Northern Vermont. Have a mindful day.